Welcome to Ministry Strong with Lisa Whittle, where ministry matters so much that a co-host and I have conversations to help strengthen and encourage ministry leaders to serve Jesus with integrity for the long haul. And we don't shy away from the tough issues about culture and the church. A whopper of a discussion is church hurt and spiritual abuse. And I want to say right off the top that these two things are different. I want to talk about that for a minute. Like in what way church hurt and spiritual abuse are different? I mean, I think spiritual abuse is always going to cause church hurt if it involves obviously a church scenario. Right. But I don't think every incident of church hurt in I, is evidence of it, spiritual abuse. No, not in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Thoughts? I mean, it's a big one. I think, one, I want to start by just saying, like, this is real. Yeah. <laughs> it's, and it's we're real. sorry. And, and we're sorry. Yeah. And um, and I, and at least I'll let you speak for yourself, but I'm not perfect. I'm not no. a perfect ministry leader. I've hurt people. Yeah. Um, I've had to, I've done it knowingly and unknowingly at times. I've had to repent of my sin and um, and deal honestly with those things. So I just want to acknowledge that, like, if you've never had a ministry leader that has just acknowledged it, said that it happens, and that they're sorry, you know, I think Lisa and I want to be mm-hmm. at least two voices that you hear um, a sense of just sobriety around this topic. Uh, the one thing I would say, and I think we can go in so many different directions, but one of them that's a, that's challenging for me that I'm watching in our culture today is that church hurt is a reality. And I don't think, Lisa, that it's something that we can just say is not going to take place. As long as humans are fallible humans that yeah. are sinners, yep. relational hurt, church hurt, those things are going to take place. The question I think is, what is the environment and the willingness when that does take place to have boundaries, conversations, repentance, and a willingness to acknowledge sin, um, or just like, it might not even be necessarily sin, it might just be like, you're rude. <laughs> Yeah. Like, like you did something that is uh, was more motivated by what you can get, but then the impact they could have on others. Like, I think about volunteers, like church volunteers. One of the big hurts I know from my church planting days is when you're church planting and you go to a, like a school and you're up at five in the morning to get out there and you are just putting chairs up and setting up sound systems from from the ground up. It could be really easy for those volunteers to go unappreciated. Yeah. And that could be hurtful, you know? Uh, and, and so, but I would also say a lot of times those pastors, I mean, I was in that situation. I'm not necessarily thinking about those things because I've got everything else in my mind. But once I'm aware of it, I've got to address it. You know, as much as I love diving into intense topics, and I, I, I'll be honest, I, I like going for it. I don't like small talk. I like big big discussions. I like going to the core of it, going to the thick of it. I'm not excited about talking about this because it is a place of tenderness at the same time as being a really important thing to talk about. We're talking about this because we need to talk about it because other people are talking about it. Uh, I got an email from a former pastor's wife who said to me that she was really concerned because her husband was checking into some other religions. Mm. 
And just by virtue of some of the stuff she was telling me, I just on a hunch, I said to her, I said, by chance, were you guys hurt in any way by your staff experience? And she then tells me this very long story about how deeply wounded her husband was when he was on church staff. And I mean, I just knew it. I knew that what had led him to this other exploration was the hurt that had been caused uh, in this other space, in being on staff. And so I I just want to say that there's lots of layers to this. Um, There's lots of layers to this, like, sort of phrasing church hurt. (laughs) And I don't like labels, and I don't like categories. I mean, that's just, like, me in general, in a nutshell. Lisa does not like labels. Lisa does not like categories. I don't like boxes. So when when we think of even the phrase church hurt, Joel... I even like, I just want to break it down even further because I'm like, church equals people. And people hurt. And people hurt. So I think sometimes, you know, we kind of lump things into like, like the simplest phrase we can come up with to talk about things that are like actually really, really big issues, which is this situation over here and this situation over here and this situation over here, which happened with amongst the church, which is people. Mm-hmm. You're, you're talking about the volunteers getting overlooked and that it could be on the scale of the volunteers being overlooked and people get hurt over it to this family in this church and this family in this church, you know, hurt each other. And it's a, it's a massive experience. Like This is on a scale even. So... What we're trying to tackle in 25 minutes is difficult. And then you then spiritual abuse, oh. which is a whole different animal here. But I think sometimes it all gets interwoven and intermixed and people are the factor here. People and, and the spiritual component, yeah. the faith component is what we're talking about. Because when we're talking about spiritual abuse, we're talking about something that has to do with, I think, things that we need to be aware of, grave warning signs. Uh, that I've talked about before in other spaces that I'm just going to throw out here because I, I really do want to cover just a few things, which is, and, and we may disagree on this, and that's okay. Yeah. I think things like when you throw the word honor out uh, in a way that is uh, manipulative. Right. Now, it's clear in Scripture that there is a conversation about the word honor, but it is in talking about the relationship with your parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that the word honor gets abused uh, with people in positions in staff positions and ministry positions that are trying to manage people that are trying to manipulate people when that that word honor and it becomes this honor culture in a way that becomes a way to help uh, cover or only serve the needs of the people that are in charge that it would benefit them only i think that arguably People have problems with NDAs, mm-hmm. um, non-disclosure statements, and you could argue that. You could say, well, there is some personal business that someone might not want them to know in financial matters and those kinds of things. But I think what what's at play there is sort of the secrecy culture. It is, are you trying to get me not to talk about something that you don't want known that can certainly lead to abuse in many cases. The leader being held up compared to a, a biblical hero as a means to manipulate again. I had a, a girlfriend who 
when she kind of had an issue with a, a church staff member, went to another church staff member, and they said, well, you know, he's just like David. He's a man after God's own heart. We don't want to we don't want to worry about the fact that he's actually, you know, having an affair with someone. Hmm. And it's that kind of a comparison by a means to silence someone. Mm-hmm. Those are things that are spiritual abuse. And so I think it's really important that we pull apart a little bit, like what's honor when it comes to scripture and what privacy are ministry leaders really afforded, especially when it could diminish someone else or is used to manipulate. Yeah, so I think... Those are big questions, by the way. Those are huge questions. And I questions. threw 16 at you at one time. Yeah, so here's what I would say. Yeah. I would say that it is absolutely possible. It's 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 not, and you've, I think, already said this. It is not true that every issue of church hurt is an example of the presence of spiritual abuse. Yeah. And I think that's super important for us Very to important. state. Very important, yes. However, I also think that it is possible that patterned behavior mm. of church hurt over a period of time could absolutely be indicators That's good. of a underlying spiritual abuse situation that absolutely has to be considered good. and dealt with. Yep. So you have these two things. Now, Lisa, I would say that church hurt, here's the question I have, is the church hurt that we have experienced supposed to be a means of sanctification mm-hmm. in our lives, mm-hmm. or is it possibly a situation of spiritual abuse? So for the church hurt on the sanctification side, here's what I'm worried about. I'm worried that because we have unrealistic expectations of people inside of the church and the nature of what the church is, the church hurt has been a excuse, in a sense, to bounce, peace out, and, and just vacate the church in general. Uh, that is a fair concern. But what if it's supposed to be a means of sanctification in our lives? Yeah. Right on the flip side, yep, we've got church hurt that is actually spiritual abuse, and you should leave yeah. that situation. 100%. And then you don't leave that situation, and now you are underneath the spiritual manipulation for a, a, a period of time that is actually detrimental to you. You know, it's not just to you or to other people. With that being said, go back. I know I, I like deviated your question. <laughs> Because I'm like thinking through these things. I think no, it's just it's like good. really important for us to address yeah. that. I've got thoughts on honor culture. I've got thoughts on NDA. Good. I mean, all of it. Bring it. Okay. So the, the honor culture thing, I think it's interesting. Um, well, here, let me ask you this. When, when I say honor, what do you think? I think reverence and respect. I think, um, yeah, let's leave it at that. What do you think the average everyday kind of like Christian person when they hear this phrase like you just got to show them honor what do you how do you what do you think they're they're hearing like you know like you just got to honor and respect your your pastor to not speak ill of them or to put them on some type of a higher level pedestal yeah okay I think that's good so the two examples that you had kind of talked, actually you said one, you said that, you know, honor in terms of Ephesians 6, the right. honor your parents. Right. There's another one that is First Timothy 5.17. Yeah. That elder pastors are worthy of double honor. Right. What, what, what is going on with this? And how are we supposed to understand this? I have noticed that honor culture in local churches, and this might be tough for some of y'all to hear this, right? But I think what it's done 
is it's actually instilled seeds of pride in leaders an expectation of how they're supposed to be treated that's actually detrimental to their sanctification. Mm. It is actually undoing the sanctification process in you because you're actually receiving a type of honor or worth or glory or respect that is not aimed at you. It shouldn't be aimed at you. It actually should be aimed at God. And so now you're, we talk, you know, we, we've talked about this before. It's like this idea of you're becoming absorbers of glory rather than reflectors of glory. Right. And I think that's a massive issue. How do you reconcile what you're saying? With double honor is due to the to that leadership role, but yet not taking it into yourself in that way. Because, okay, so I think it's interesting that in both those passages, in with parents and with elders, um, it's dealing with the context of caring. For a group of people. Parents are supposed to care for their children, which is part of a family. Elder pastors are supposed to care for the church, which is described as what? A family. Mm. But I think it's interesting. There's both role and responsibility with the caring and honor. And so these things go together. The role and responsibility that you and I have, um, like like for you, Lisa, like you're a mom. What, What does that come with? Is it just like, oh, cool, I'm a mom. Have you ever been frustrated? with the expectation of what it means to be a mom in your household or everything's always good all the time uh, you know the answer to this <laughs> you know the answer I, to this, this is called a setup yeah <laughs> okay so i've been frustrated yes why what's the frustration i'm frustrated because they expect too much of me and i feel like sometimes they expect too much of me and they shouldn't be expecting that much so you're describing dishonor okay <laughs> Yeah. Right? That's dishonor. It's yeah. dishonor. It's like, yeah. wait a minute. Yeah. Like, I'm your mom. Right. I love you. I you care for you. You should love me anyway. You should just, yeah. Right? But I think it's interesting that th- there's a equal sense of relationship. Like, if you just said, hey, I'm a bounce. You know, like, I, I just, I'm not going to do any of the things that are part of what it means to be a mom, love, cherish, and care for your, your children. Are the are your kids going to still have that same level of respect and honor for you? Hmm. No. And and so if that's the case, is that still dishonor? Yeah. No, because you've actually acted in dishonorable ways towards your children. Interesting. So I think with the pastor-elder conversation, the the... Paul has this presumptive idea that the reason why they should be worthy of double honor is because they're honorable individuals. Mm. And that honor actually lends to humility, that lends to honesty, that that says, yeah, I, I mean, but if the pastor elder acts in dishonorable ways, do you still honor what's dishonorable? Well, you can't. By necessity, you can't. So what you're saying to me is that double honor does not necessarily mean the pastor gets a special parking space or a pass to the country club. I mean, really? You went there? <laughs> okay, somebody's, I mean, I don't somebody's know. Somebody's mad at me right now. I mean, Look, I don't I care mean, about I the parking know. space. I, I, I don't I care about the oh, No, I want to talk about the parking space. Park there if you want. I want to talk about the parking space. Park, talk about it. Go ahead. I don't think it's the parking space. I think it's what the parking space represents. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. I just set you up. Lob. Okay. But here's the thing. I'm going to be honest. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm not a pastor of a church, right? Right. But we're I not am, pastors. We're so not, we, you know, yeah. What, what, the argument is, what if I really, what if it's crowded and I'm late and I need to get there? I'm the so, pastor. So this is where I actually, I don't think this is a hard and fast rule. Like I think it's like, I do think like, hey, I've seen it. And I'm like, that's great. 
Yeah. You know, because sometimes, half the time, more than half the time, that spot isn't even for the pastor. It's for his wife. Right. Who's hauling around kids. And and they're there all day. Right. And if it's a church with multiple services, I mean, so this is this this is this idea that double honor, like, what do you do? Like, I'll just, like, Lisa, when I'm traveling and I go into a hotel room, this happened the other day. I brought Liam with me and I was traveling. I was in Augusta, in Evans, Georgia, uh, speaking at a church. And I've decided to bring Liam with me and my children on different trips. We walk into the hotel room and they had this care package waiting for me in the room mm-hmm. and i don't ask for it it's not in my contract like none of that kind of stuff you right, know right but liam was like dad this is so cool yeah. it's got Lacroix and honey roasted peanuts yeah. and candy bars for him that were healthy like the whole and he goes dad like this. and i was like wow i love that what this church decided to do was to honor me yep right in the sense of it's hard to travel it's hard to do all these things let's make this comfortable let's you know but it was also an opportunity for my son to experience the good aspect of ministry and say gosh dad like they really care about you huh you know it's actually yeah you know what it, it reminded me of when we when i was growing up and we would go to a new church and they would give you what was called a pounding they would do a pounding for at least in Baptist churches, and literally people would bring canned foods. Okay, because I just need to let you know right now. I grew up in Chicago in the hood. Yeah, and if you said like I was about to get a pounding, <laughs> it means I'm getting beat up. You Lisa. went to a different place. Yeah, I you, went to a different. I was like, you're getting. Oh, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. No, but you know what that said to me? It was exactly like the Liam thing here. Yeah. But as a kid, you know what that said to me? Church people are so good. They're good people. They love us. They have showered us with this pounding. And it is like, I don't know. Wow, this was just such a memory for me all of a sudden. Like, I could honestly almost weep. Yeah. Because I thought, this is why I have loved the church for so long. This is why my, my, I say in my bio that like, the most long-running relationship that I have, love relationship, is with the church, besides yeah. with Jesus, because the church has been a place for me that I've loved. This is why I have not been able to quit the church. Right. This is why in times, even though the church has hurt me, they have helped heal me. You know why? Because I have this foundation with the church for a long time that even though, even though the church has flaws and problems, I remember things like when I was eight years old that we had poundings and they Mm -hmm. would bring their canned foods and they would love my family when we would come from out of town. And I was the new kid always, Mm -hmm. but they would love me and they would be there for me. I remember Charles Castleberry, who now has gone to heaven, and we were brand new to Lake Jackson, Texas. And I had an ear infection, and I was a little girl. Mm. And this man was tall. He was probably like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, and um, we were brand new, didn't know anybody. And Dad was off doing some meetings with, like, meeting with the prospective, you know, staff. And I had an ear infection, and Charles Castleberry, in a suit, we went to the hospital. And the only relief I got from this ear infection was for him to carry me up and down the hallway Mm. and I just remember something about being high up and held by this man who was like a tree (laughs) brought me relief yeah I remember deacons who had candy in their pockets that they would (laughs) hand to me when I would come and come in the church this is the church that I know yeah this is the church that I love and I could tell you many stories of hurt Joel Mm -hmm. many many stories of hurt but you know what 
I also remember many, many stories of love. And I think that it's very important that we are able to understand how we as people are flawed and through Christ can be redeemed. And exactly what you said with the church hurt, is there a piece here of where God wants to sanctify us? We're not talking about staying where we shouldn't stay in an abuse situation. No, unequivocally, no, absolutely not. We're talking about being in a place that God wants to use to uh, shave some things off of us and change it. Because listen, we've also hurt people. Mm-hmm. I've hurt people. Have I been a perfect member of the church? Absolutely not. And people could give witness to that. And even as we're talking about the pastor and the parking spaces and all of that, obviously I'm being a little facetious there, but these are things people think about. And I think what you're saying here is it is the attitude behind the I want priority, I need the attention, the 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 honor in this way mm-hmm. rather than we're having beef over, you know, the practicality of needing a front row space because maybe you're running late because I do know and understand the pastor family life. Oh my gosh. Like it's I, such I've a real lived thing. it. It's a real thing. Like there is a lot of work that goes into it and it's work that is well beyond hours that people understand. It is the emotional work that goes into. It is the caretaking for the people, the loneliness and sometimes the despair. You know, so I feel this on both sides. So I think for me, for the person, the the, the ministry leaders that are listening to this, I, I would ask you to ask this question for yourself because we could get caught up and, and it's okay. I think great to talk about the parking spots or talk about the country club pass or all, all this kind of stuff. Like I think it's situation and nuance or whatever else. But the hard attitude behind it is this. Do you walk into a situation and do you think, oh my goodness, this is so kind? Or do you walk into a situation and go, this is so owed to me mm. because the difference Joel. between wait, 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 you need to repeat that. Do we walk into a situation? This is what I thought about, you know, with my son, Liam, when we walked into that hotel room, do I walk and I go, gosh, this is so kind. Or do I walk in and go, my goodness, this is so owed to me because that, that heart posture, that condition is that indicator of honor culture gone wrong. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's good for some people that walk in and, and they and you might have this moment right now where you're like, gosh, I'm owed. I feel like I'm owed the parking spot. I feel like I'm owed the gift bags. I feel like I'm owed the whatever else. It might be good for you. Actually, I'm going to suggest it is vital for you to confess that to the close circle of people that you have that you're accountable to. And for a season, probably have yourself stripped of those things. You know what you're talking about here is entitlement. The Lord revealed to me a few years ago, Joel, when I was in a season of feeling like I was overlooked in certain spaces in ministry, that I was, what I was really dealing with was a root of entitlement. Mm. And it was ugly, and I didn't want to look at it. But it was really, really important. And I think... There's something to be said about that on both the ministry leader side, I think even as a as a person that sits in the congregation, if we're on sort of that side, I think entitlement issues for all of us on some level. 
are a hidden struggle mm-hmm. that we don't even want to face. Mm-hmm. But I think that's very important here. And this conversation is challenging, but this conversation is important because unity is important. It's worth it. And the one thing that Satan does not want is for any of us to get past hurt, offense, our own issues of entitlement. Uh, he wants us to hold grudges, stay divided, because when we're divided, we're weak. Yeah. But when we're together, we are strong. Today, millions around the world are suffering as a result of violence, oppression, and extreme poverty. Sometimes this endless cycle of suffering can feel overwhelming. If you're like me, you want to bring an end to the suffering. As a follower of Jesus, you feel compelled to make a difference in our hurting world, and you want your church to be a part of the solution too. But sometimes it's hard to know exactly where to start and who to trust. That's why I'm excited to tell you about The Path from our friends at World Relief. The Path is a community of bold, compassionate people of faith who are committed to fighting against suffering and injustice in pursuit of lasting change by partnering with World Relief through their monthly gifts to World Relief. Whether it is a crisis in Ukraine, an earthquake in Haiti, or an influx of refugee arrivals from Afghanistan, you can trust that the PATH community is already there, responding with the love of Jesus alongside you and your church. Thanks to the monthly support from the PATH community, World Relief is making a difference around the world, and you and your church can be a part of it. Join the PATH community of monthly givers by visiting worldrelief.org forward slash ministry strong. That's worldrelief.org. Org forward slash ministry strong. Be a part of the solution. Join the path at worldrelief.org forward slash ministry strong today. As a leader, do you ever feel like there's not enough of you to go around? Maybe you feel alone or that you're too busy helping others to tend to your own needs. Do you ever wonder who you should talk to about your life? If so, I want to tell you about Anchored Hope and the excellent counseling available to you today. Anchored Hope brings care and counseling to ministry leaders like you, as well as the people you serve. They offer convenient and confidential virtual counseling with professionally trained and theologically educated counselors. Choose a counselor based on a specific issue or contact the Anchored Hope team to ask for a recommendation based on your needs or partner with them as a ministry and utilize their services as a helpful extension of your team. As a shepherd and leader, you have to have a place you can trust for your own help and healing. To explore counselors and schedule your first session, visit anchoredhope.co. If you use code MINISTRYSTRONG at sign up, you'll get 10% off all your sessions through 2023. Again, that's anchoredhope.co. And don't forget to use code MINISTRYSTRONG when you register. Diving into a little bit of spiritual abuse here, although you and I aren't experts on this in the real sense, but people often want to know, when do I leave a church? Mm-hmm. Like, when, are, when am I in a spiritual abuse situation? It's become manipulative. It's become, yeah, spiritually manipulative. What I'm, are your thoughts on this? Well, I'm going to flip it on you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, have you ever been in a situation where you've had to make that? And you might not be able to answer it, but I, you know. Yeah. No, I can, I can answer it. How have you navigated that? I'll tell you this, Joel. I, I think we were in a, a situation... Uh, Again, you know, I don't love labels, but I will say that I think we were in a situation in a church that looking back was 
I'm going to say at the very least, spiritually manipulative. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I don't, I didn't recognize it at the time. I think in my gut, I felt something was off. Mm-hmm. But now, 100% was spiritually manipulative. So we stayed because we felt, quote unquote, loyal. Right. Which I think is the, that's always the thing, right? And I think looking back now, uh, we, we, we should have gone before. But the red flags were, uh, we had a pastor who was saying things from the pulpit that were very persuasive slash manipulative towards if you go to another church, you're out of the will of God type of a thing. There was behind the scenes conversation about the pastor and his wife punishing people who were kind of off the script. Hmm. And you know what I mean by that. So I would say those were two huge red flags. So I think... Um, Besides my own gut and spirit, by the way, which we should trust. So, I, man, I think that's good. I think we have to acknowledge, uh, and this is my tendency, which is not great. I have the personality type that I will go down with the ship. Interesting. Okay. Um, loyalty. You mentioned loyalty. Yeah. Loyalty is incredibly a high value for me. Yeah. Um. And what I've had to learn, and so, you know, Lisa, I do this thing on Tuesdays on my Instagram called Theology Talk Tuesday. Yeah. I, I We can go through the list of archives of questions that I get, and this is one of the top ones. Joel, when do I know? And typically it's coming from a husband or a wife or both of them that are either married, have kids, and they're navigating this question not just for themselves, for their family, you know? Uh, when do I know that it's time for me to leave a church? I would say there, there are two things for sure without a question in my opinion on when you leave one heresy they're pre- they're preaching from the yeah. church they're from the pulpit jesus is not the son of god <laughs> right i mean but to me that's not even is that spiritual abuse that's just flat out just, that's just flat that's out that's just flat out heresy wrong that's just wrong get out of there you're as not, fast as you not, can like you're in a cult you're and in a cult like, yeah like, you gotta dude, go that's not even yeah right? okay um but it's amazing how like we gotta say this you know no you're um, right though yeah and so and then the second one is and this is a little bit more nuanced but emotional and physical and the physical part's not nuanced at all no but physical abuse out right right um emotional abuse emotional yeah, and i think abuse. that's what's harder for people is like am i being emotionally abused am i being um you know, and also I think people are like, I don't want to be gossipy or I don't want to believe hearsay or whatever. But how do you know if you're being emotionally abused, though? So I think, you know, there's a lot of terms. Gaslighting is right. one of them. Right. If you describe some of them. This, I did. This, yeah. uh, this social, pressure social pressure to flow with the agenda of the church versus um, biblical conviction. Right. Like you're off the script. This is not what we at the church do and sort of not allowing that sort of individualism at all. Yeah, like it's it's not a safe space. Yeah. It's not a safe space to be an individual that reads the Bible for yourself, that has questions. You, If you walk into environments and you're asking questions about scripture or whatever else, and, and all of a sudden you're like, um, you're you're blacklisted. Right. You know? Yeah. And your family feels that. These are all, inc- these are all evidences of emotional and spiritual manipulation at least, and unattended abuse. Like yeah. it's gonna, if you put yourself in that place, it is absolutely Absolutely abusive. Here's the last one that I think is super important, and and 
I wish this was an A plus B equals C. Like, it'd be so nice if the Bible was just like, hey, if these five things take place, then bounce, right? But the Bible often speaks more in principles because we need wisdom in knowing how to deal with each situation. So if you're a mom or a dad with your family, here's the question I have for you that I process through for myself and for my family. What is the long-term witness of the family of God for my children? Mm, Yeah, that's good. Is is this something that's going to, at some level, be detrimental to them to the point where it could have lasting consequences? I have a – like my go-down-with-the-ship mentality, it cannot be at the cost of my family. Yeah. It cannot be at the cost of my children, you know? And so I'm going to have to make some difficult decisions. Now, this doesn't mean that I don't have the appropriate conversations, that I don't leave with a sense of respect and honor, yeah. you know, that I'm not gossipy on my way out. Yeah. But – I can be truthful and I can be honest and I can make those difficult, difficult decisions. I don't think this is light. I don't think this happens instantly. I think we should have a leniency or a tendency to to want to fight through it because all family is hard and, and you know, but there absolutely comes a time where if this becomes detrimental to you emotionally, physically, or spiritually, it's better for you to move on and trust that place with God's faithful and capable hands than the perception that you'll be able to change something. Yeah, and I think, I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot of great places to worship. The point is to to be in fellowship and be in a great place of worship. And so, um, obviously, you don't want to be hopping around just because it gets uncomfortable somewhere. It's not bad. The That's grass not, is not greener on the other side. Right, it's not bad. And just common sense, really, because, I mean, if you've got your leadership talking bad about other places of worship in town... That that's like that's mm-hmm. not something you really have to consider. Is that something that would be good for the kingdom of God? Right. Like these are things that are pretty common sense. So I think engage that common sense. The Holy Spirit lives inside you. Let Him be your guide. Uh, those things are good for us to know. Hey, thanks for listening to Ministry Strong. This was a crucial and deep conversation for Joel and I, but as usual, there is much more to unpack. I invited a most respected counselor, Dr. Diane Langberg, on the show to really unpack some of the complexities of the issues. I highly regard her. Her insight as a counselor who has walked with many victims of church hurt and spiritual abuse is incredibly valuable to us on this topic. Join me next week on the Ministry Strong podcast as I welcome Dr. Diane Langberg. Ministry Strong is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts, produced and edited by Angie Elkins. Artwork by Caleb Peavy and Noel Rhodes. Original music by Robert Elkins. A special thanks to my Ministry Strong team. Thank you for your dedication and hard work. Your hosts of Season 1 are Lisa Whittle and Dr. Joel Matamale. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get strong in him.